What's up, Trace? Uh, hope you guys are having a good day so far. Hopefully you guys are having an awesome summer. Um, I just want to say welcome to all of you that are joining us for the very first time, whether uh, you just moved here to Colorado Springs, maybe you're visiting family, or maybe uh, for whatever reason you're looking for a new church home. We're so honored to have you here with us today. Um, if you have any questions or anything you're wondering about, maybe getting more plugged in, uh, please don't hesitate to ask. Uh, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and get you more connected as well. And so I'll be right out there after service, or you can go talk to our Next Steps team. We'd love to get you plugged into what God is doing here at Trace. Uh, But my name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be the student pastor here at Trace. And uh, this summer has been a crazy one. It's been full of events. It's been full of camps and several other random conversations, hanging out with students. Uh, But perhaps one of the things that I am most proud of when it comes to our student ministry is just, you know, some of the culture that we've created in that ministry, that it's been so much fun for me to get to watch uh, our high school and middle school students begin to build relationships with each other to uh, begin to welcome in new people into our ministry that we've gotten to see this summer. Actually, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had the opportunity to have a pool party at a couple in our church's house. And so we were over there with like 20 different high school students goofing off, hanging out, eating food, having a good time. And these two new students showed up. And these guys had never been to anything at Trace before, never been to any of our events. And they showed up and I had the opportunity to like introduce them to the rest of the students. And it was so awesome because the rest of our students immediately after I said, hey, here's their names, make sure you meet them. They started cheering. They started clapping. They started chanting. They started introducing themselves. They started to make a new place feel like home for some students that otherwise probably would have been uncomfortable. And I've gotten to see that happen over and over and over over the course of the summer. And so this morning, if you are a student, if you have a student, if you know a student, middle school, all the way up to high school. We'd love the opportunity to get them plugged into what God is doing here at Trace Students. Once again, please come talk to me right after the service. I'd love to get them connected. But as a church, we've been in this series the last couple of weeks called Choose. And the vision behind this series is very simple, that as people, we make a lot of choices on a daily basis. Some of them are small decisions. Some of them are very big decisions. Some of them we make consciously. Some of them we make without even knowing that we made them. Uh, But we make so many choices. And with so many choices that we're making, sometimes it can be hard to know what is a good decision and what is a bad decision. That sometimes it's black and white, but sometimes it's not so easy. And then we come to church and we hear verses like Proverbs 3, 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And we hear that and we're like, that sounds great. (laughs) That sounds awesome. That sounds so easy. If only God would tell me which steps I needed to take to succeed. If only God would direct my steps. If only God would tell me which path is the right path. Like some of us, we want our lives to be like this living Carrie Underwood lyric. And so we let Jesus take the wheel, right? For just a couple miles at least. We let Jesus lead our lives at least for a season. But then we start second guessing him. Then we start backseat driving. Then we ask Jesus to pull over because it doesn't seem like he really knows where he's going. And we find ourselves in a very similar position where we're depending on our own understanding. We're trying to make the right decisions. We're trying to figure out what the right path is all on our own. 
But you guys know this just as well as I do. When it comes to making decisions in our lives, we're not always the best at it, right? But as a church, we want to help you guys understand what it looks like to live a wise life. That we want all of us to know what it it feels like to make consistent quality decisions in our lives, especially in the areas that matter the most. And so the last several weeks, you know, Trent has gotten up here and he's talked about some of the choices that we need to make. That we can either choose to believe and live for the lies that the enemy tells us or that other people say about us or that we ourselves make up about us, or we can choose to live for the truth. Or last week, he talked about what it looks like for us to live so far in the past that we're constantly concerned about our mistakes or so far in the future that we're constantly playing the what if game, what's going to happen when Jesus is calling us to live in the present. But today, I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. It's not necessarily a choice that I believe you should or that you shouldn't make, but rather it's about how we make decisions overall. And more importantly, how there are some things, some obstacles that exist uh, in our way when it comes to making some of the decisions that matter most. And I want to talk about one of them specifically, and it's this phrase right here called decision paralysis. Decision paralysis. Maybe this morning you're like, Josiah, what is that? And if that's you, decision paralysis, or sometimes it's called paralysis by analysis, this happens when an individual, usually ourselves, overanalyzes or overthinks a situation. Anybody ever done that before? Every day. Uh, Causing forward motion or decision making to become paralyzed to the point that no solution, no course of action is decided upon we find ourselves at a standstill. And to some degree or another, I believe we all deal with this at one point in our lives. You know, husbands, this is what happens when you ask your wife where she wants to eat dinner that night, that you will ask her and she'll say, oh, I don't care. And then you'll give her like five to like a hundred options and find out, oh, she really does care. Um, But what she's really saying in the moment is she's experiencing decision paralysis, that there's a lot of choices. We want to make the right one. But we all deal with this. Whether we're a high schooler trying to figure out what we're going to do next in life, whether we're just ordering food off of a menu, or maybe, uh, you know, it's as simple as what you're going to wear for the rest of the day. We all deal with decision paralysis at some point in our lives or another. And the problem with this is that for the little decisions we make, it doesn't affect us a whole lot. But when we allow decision paralysis to kind of creep in and kind of start to affect some of the major decisions we're making, we end up missing out on some of the things that God wants to bless us with the most. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. And to do that, I just want to ask two very simple questions to talk about the subject. And the first one is this, why do we experience decision paralysis? But then the second question is, how do we overcome it? So let's go ahead. Let's dive in this morning, starting with that first question. Why do we experience decision paralysis? So a recent study was done, and it was said that on any given day, uh, the average person makes somewhere around 35,000 decisions a day. And those can be things as small as like, what song am I going to listen to on the way to work this morning, uh, to things as big as, you know, should I invest thousands of dollars in my buddy's business? But not only that, it's also said that this next generation, Generation Z, is making more decisions uh, on a daily basis than any other generation before, meaning that there is going to be more decision paralysis in the next generation than any other generation before. 
And with so many decisions that are being made, it can be hard to consistently and constantly be making the right ones. I don't know about you, uh, but I don't know anybody that is batting a thousand when it comes to the 35,000 decisions that they make on any given day. And I also know myself and I know that I've done some pretty dumb stuff and I've made some pretty stupid decisions in my life. Uh, for example, a couple months ago, we were given a brand new thermostat. It was a smart thermostat. Apparently, I had a dumb thermostat before, but I got a smart thermostat, and I was really excited about this, but they said, hey, uh, you're going to have to install this yourself, and I was like, okay, we can figure it out, and they were like, however, you do have the wrong wire, and so you're going to need to go down to the store, get the right wire, but it shouldn't be a big deal because you can just tie the old wire to the new wire and pull the wire all the way through down to your crawl space and connect it to your furnace, and I'm like, all right. Uh, and something you need to know about me is when it comes to home improvement pro projects, uh, like in our house and stuff, like I know just enough to be dangerous, uh, but not quite enough to be helpful. And so when I heard this plan, I was like, okay, that sounds simple enough. It sounds like something I can do. And so that's what I did. I ran to the store and I got the new wire and I connected the top to the bottom and I went down to my crawl space, which I don't fit in. And I started pulling on that wire. And sure enough, for a little bit, it seemed like it was working until it got stuck. When it got stuck, I thought, you know, maybe it just needed a little extra persuasion. And so I pulled a little harder on it. And sure enough, it became unstuck for a little bit. Then it got stuck again. And I thought, you know, I'll just use the same method. Pulled a little harder, didn't come unstuck. Pulled a little harder, didn't come unstuck. Pulled as hard as I could. And sure enough, it gave out. But rather than the new wire coming down to the crawl space, uh, I was holding what was left of the old wire and the rest of it shot up into the wall, uh, leaving me with no way to get to it, no way to fix it. And so at that point, you know, what do you do? So I called my realtor and we just put our house on the market because, you know, you can't live without heat in the winter here. So uh, I'm just kidding. But I've made some stupid decisions in my life, made some dumb choices. And I wish I could say that all of my dumb choices uh, were relegated to the category of like home improvement projects. But that just simply isn't true. That I've made dumb decisions at home. Uh, I've made dumb decisions with my finances. I've made dumb decisions in my marriage. Uh, I've made dumb decisions here at the church. And some of you are like, yeah, we know. Like we've noticed, uh, we sent our kids to camp with you and they came home and they told us the stories. Um, but, you know, I've made some dumb decisions, too many to count. But I also know I'm not alone in that. That part of what it means to be human is to make mistakes, that as people, we are bound to make mistakes. And sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're pretty harmless, but sometimes they're not. That sometimes we mess things up pretty bad. That we've made some choices in our lives that we wish we could take back. That we've done some things in our lives that have caused us a lot of pain, a lot of regret. That there are some decisions that we make as people that we hope we take with us to the grave. That we hope nobody ever finds out about it. Like maybe for you, it was a job you never should have taken. Maybe it was a boy you never should have dated. Maybe it was a text that never should have been sent, a comment that never should have been said. Maybe there was money that shouldn't have been invested, a friend request that never should have been accepted, a page that never should have been followed, a website that never should have been visited, a marriage that never should have ended, a bottle that never should have been picked up again, mistakes that never should have been made. But for whatever reason, they were made. And for whatever reason, those things did happen. And now we find ourselves on the other end of our mistakes, the other end of our bad decisions, the other end of our faulty decision-making. 
And we've begun to live out Proverbs 14, which says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. That in those moments, the decisions we made, they felt right. In those moments, those choices that we made, they felt good. That in those moments, we felt like we were justified in the actions that we were taking. We were just doing the best we could with what we had. But now that we sit on the other end of our mistakes, it's very clear that that is not the case. We are beginning to experience the death that our decisions have brought us. And after experiencing the consequences of our wrong decisions, we begin to lose confidence in our abilities to make the right ones. And our failures have begun to stack one on top of the other until they've created a fear inside of us. And so now every time we step up to the plate, every time it's our turn to make a decision, we're just a little bit more unsure of ourselves, that we hesitate just a little bit more to make a decision. Because the last time we made a decision, like things didn't go so well. Like that last mistake we made, it hurt pretty bad. Like maybe you got kicked out. Maybe you got fired for speaking up. Maybe you're no longer on speaking terms with your kids. Maybe that one decision was what ended your first marriage and you're worried that if you make another wrong decision, your second one will surely follow. So this morning, maybe you're afraid because you know you you can't handle another mistake like that one. And so rather than risk getting hurt again, you don't do anything. That you just sit there paralyzed, unable to make even the smallest of decisions in your life. And guys, this is when decision paralysis begins to set in in our lives. Because at its core, that is what it is. It's a belief, it's a belief uh, that to take no action, to make no decisions, is better than making another wrong one. And we all know what it feels like to sit in this space. We all know what it feels like to experience this headspace, to sort through this head trash, to be so gripped by anxiety, so gripped by fear that we feel like the best thing that we can do in that moment is absolutely nothing but wait for the storm to pass. But I need you to understand this morning that while yes, you will save yourself from a little pain by not making a decision you're not actually doing anything to fix the problem. You're not actually doing anything to help you move forward. Because while yes, we're protecting ourselves from the risks of life, we're also preventing ourselves from experiencing the rewards of making hard decisions and hard choices. And you see Jesus, he actually tells a story about this in Matthew chapter 25. He's talking uh, to his disciples and he says, look, there's gonna come a point in your life where you have an opportunity to stay back and watch life go by, or you have the opportunity to risk some things and experience the reward. And he's like, you know what? It's kind of like, uh, you know, if there was a master that had three servants and this master, he's going to go away on a trip and he wants to make sure his money's taken care of. He wants to make sure his investments are handled well. And so he goes to his servants and he begins giving them some money. And he continues in verse 15. He says this, To one servant, he gives five bags of silver. To another, he gives two bags of silver. But then to the last, he he gives one bag of silver, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. But while he's away, the servant who received the five bags of silver, he began to invest the money and earned five more. And you're like, wow, that's incredible. 
That's 100% return on investment right there. Like, good job. But then the servant with two bags also went to work and he earned two more. This guy was working and he was grinding and, and he was able to make more money. But then the servant who received one bag of silver, the servant who was given the least amount of money, he dug a hole in the ground and he buried it. And at this point, you may be asking, Josiah, what does this have to do with decision paralysis? But just hang with me. Because Jesus says, you know, that master that left, eventually he comes back. And he wants to check in on his investments. And so he goes to his servants and he goes to the first servant uh, that was given five bags of silver. And he's like, wow, you did an incredible job. You doubled the money that I gave you. You've been faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, so I'm going to give you a little bit more. And he goes to the second servant who doubled his money as well. And he's like, man, you've been working. You've been grinding. You did good with what I gave you. You've been faithful with a little, so I'll give you a little bit more. Then he gets to the last servant, the one who buried his bag of silver. And this servant, before he, the master is even able to speak, uh, the servant you know, blurts out, he goes, look, I was afraid I would lose your money. And so instead I buried it. But don't worry, look, here is the money back. Here's your money back. I didn't lose any of it. You can almost hear like a sense of pride that he was able to give all of his master's money back. But look at how the master responds. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. You didn't do anything. Like, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. The master is saying in this moment, anything would have been better than nothing. That this servant was so concerned about the risk that he missed out on the reward that could have been awaiting him. And listen, we do this every single day. That we overthink We overanalyze the situations that are in front of us. We make decision-making and forward progress to a standstill because we are paralyzed by the fear that we might make another mistake, that we might lose the master's money. And so God, he puts opportunity after opportunity in front of us. And what do we do? We bury it. God puts money in our bank accounts. And what do we do with it? We bury it. God sends us person after person after person who desperately need to hear the love and grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And what do we do with them? We bury them. And listen, I am no better than anyone else that I suffer from the same fear of failure that many of you do, that I have allowed the risk to outweigh the reward in my life. I have buried the opportunities that God has given me sometimes. Because I know if I give my money here, then I can't spend it on what I want over here. Or if I give of my time here, then I can't spend my time doing the things that I want to do. Or if I just make one more wrong decision, if I make just one more wrong choice, one more wrong step, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle the consequences. And so very quickly, our failure begins to build into fear. And that fear, it binds us and it holds us in place. And so we don't do anything. We sit still and we bury some of God's greatest blessings before us. Why? Because we're afraid. Because we're scared that we're going to make things worse. Maybe this morning, that's where you're at. You walked into this room with a lot of decisions on your shoulders. You walked into this room with a lot of opportunity in front of you. And you are so afraid to make the wrong decision 
so scared to move forward because you may not have what it takes. You may make things worse. You may mess things up like you did last time. And so rather than moving forward, we just simply stand still and we bury the things God has given us. And you're hearing me talk about decision paralysis this morning and you're like, Josiah, yeah, I already knew I struggle with that. I don't need to know that. What I need to know is how do I get rid of it? Like, how do I overcome this obstacle in my life? How do we overcome the decision paralysis that we face? Let's talk about that for a second. You see, if I could oversimplify it for a second, if I could undercomplicate it, I would just simply say this, that the number one way for you to combat decision paralysis in your life is to take your focus off of the final destination and simply look down in front of you and take the best next step. To just simply take a step, not a leap, not a run, just a step. And I love the imagery that Paul uses in Galatians chapter five when he talks about following Jesus. He says this, if we live by the spirit, if we've claimed to follow Jesus, then let us also keep in step with the spirit. It doesn't say keep sprinting with the spirit. It doesn't say keep standing still with the spirit. It says keep in step with the spirit that the pace of the Holy Spirit is one consistent step after one consistent step. And I can promise you that his strides are not that long. That for many of you this morning, maybe the best thing that you can do, maybe the most godly thing that you can do, maybe the best decision you can make this morning is not to accomplish a task It's not to finish a project, not to get to the final destination, but to simply take the next best step, regardless of how you feel. You see, I know that it may be scary, but we have to learn to refuse to bury the things that God has put in front of us and just take the next best step. See, I love what James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits says in this quote, he says this right here, you're bound to feel uncertain unprepared and unqualified. But let me assure you of this, that what you have right now is enough, that you can plan, you can delay, you can revise all you want to, but trust me, what you have now is enough to start. That it doesn't matter if you're trying to start a business, to lose weight, write a book, or achieve any number of goals. Do not miss this part. Who you are, what you have, and what you know right now is enough to get going. And so Trace Church this morning, if I could loan you some courage, could I just say, get going. Just take a step already. Finish the chapter, start the business, run the first mile, get a gym membership, start the diet, make the phone call, submit your resume, stand up to your boss in that toxic friendship, start saving, start giving, start serving, get in a group, talk to your kids, ask for forgiveness, ask for more time off, ask her out already. I can promise you she's waiting. Look, I don't know what it is that you need to do this morning, but all I'm asking you to do is just take one step and hear me say this very clearly. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still not going to get it right every time. You're still going to make wrong decisions. But my experience with this thing called life, my experience with following Jesus, it hasn't been a perfect record of making thousands of right steps in the right direction every single time. No, there have been a lot of torn ligaments trying to keep in step with the Spirit. 
There have been a lot of spiritually rolled ankles. There have been a lot of wrong steps on the wrong path. That for me, if anything, it's been two steps forward and one step back. And some of the hardest decisions I've had to make in my life, some of the hardest choices I've had to make are to continue to take a step forward after I've just taken a step back. And after I've made some of the biggest mistakes of my life, it has been everything in me to just keep taking a step forward. But every time I've made that decision to take a step forward, even when I don't feel like it, the reward has far outweighed the risk. And so maybe this morning, I just need to give you permission to stop focusing on the final product and look down at the path right in front of you and simply just take the best next step. You see, when Jessica and I uh, were thinking about moving out here to come be a part of Trace Church in Colorado Springs, uh, that decision gave us a lot of anxiety. Uh, There was a lot of decision paralysis there. And I think there are most times, we don't have kids yet, but I can imagine with kids, you know, moving somewhere different, that's, that's a big decision. But it gave us a lot of anxiety and we started to play the what if game. I don't know if you guys have played this game before. You probably have, but like I'm a pessimist and my wife is an optimist. And so our what if game looked something like this. Uh, what if we're not supposed to move out there, but what if it's the best decision of our life? Or uh, what if we don't make any friends out there? What if we make better friends than we've ever had before? What if God doesn't want us to move out there and we do anyway? What if God does want us to move out there and we stay here? And round and round and round and round we went, right? And when we finally got out here, there was still a lot of anxiety uh, with me about that decision. You know, did we make the right one? And I was talking to one of the pastors on staff here. His name's Dave. If you don't know Dave, you need to go get to know uh, Dave. He's got a lot of wisdom. But I was talking to Dave about it and I basically just told him, Dave, I I just want to know that I made the right choice. I I just want to know that I made the right decision. And he said, he, he told me this, and I think it was brilliant, but he basically just said this. You see, Josiah, when God created the heavens and the earth, right? He made the mountains, he made the sea, made the animals, everything like that. And he made Adam and Eve, and he brought them before him. And he said, look, everything I've created, he said, it's all good. It's all good. You can do whatever you want here. There's a tree in the middle of the garden. Don't touch that. So he said, it's all good, but don't do that. But then he said, you know, whatever you do, I just want you to be faithful, He said, you know, Josiah, I feel like that's how God's worked most in my life. That it hasn't just been one right step or one right decision or one right opportunity in front of me, but rather several good ones. And he's looked at me and he said, you know what, Dave, you know, they're all good. Maybe don't do this. Maybe he closes the door, but they're all good. But whatever you choose, I just want you to be faithful. And guys, the amount of anxiety, the amount of pressure that's taken off my life To know that God isn't sitting up in heaven with his divine clipboard saying, all right, Josiah, how long is it going to take before you step out of line and ruin all these plans I've made? That God is sitting up there saying, look, here's a lot of good options. Here's a lot of good steps. Maybe don't do this, but whatever you choose, I just need you to be faithful. Maybe this morning you have some decisions you need to make. You have some opportunities that are in front of you and you are so concerned that you're going to make the wrong decision. And maybe you needed to hear that this morning. That maybe God is sitting up there saying, hey, they're all good, but whatever you choose, just be faithful. And so this morning you have a choice to make. Are you going to let your life be dictated by the risks that are put in front of you? 
Or instead, are you going to start focusing on the reward that God wants to bless you with? Because if you want to combat decision paralysis in your life, if you want to stop standing still and start moving forward, guys, it's going to have to start by simply just taking the best next step in front of you. So if I could encourage you this morning, just take the step. Take the step. Let's pray. God, I know we overthink things. And I know there's been several moments in my life where I think you're sitting up there laughing at me because I'm concerned with something that shouldn't matter. But God, for whatever reason, we just wanna make the right choice. We wanna make the right decision and we know you're not sitting up there judging us for it. But God, I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom, continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit, continue to give us courage, God to take the best next step in front of us. God, I pray in a moment that you would speak so clearly to us that we could not ignore what step it is that you want us to take. God, we just wanna be faithful and we don't wanna bury the things that you've given us. It's in your name we pray, amen.